Hey, City Rev family, welcome to the City Rev Live podcast. If you found yourself here, we want to say welcome. Each week on this podcast, we feature content and conversations that help strengthen your relationship with God and others and equip you to make a difference right where you are. For this summer, we're doing a bit of a throwback series in which we're featuring conversations from previous podcast episodes. Now, we've condensed them a bit to give you just the very best from each of these episodes. We hope this conversation you're going to hear today encourages you in your personal growth and your unique faith journey. And hey, if this conversation is something you enjoy, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Send us a DM on our social media platforms. We'd love your feedback and to hear how this has helped shape this season for you. Enjoy this episode and we'll talk soon, fam. Today we're talking about sleep and more specifically, we're going to be talking about sleeplessness, Mm. which seems like in today's current climate of the (laughs) world, it's like something that more and more people, at least in my life, is saying that they're experiencing. So. Um, but we're going to be talking about it today, um, through the lens of, you know, sleeplessness as believers. Mm. Um, what is the perspective that we could be taking with sleeplessness? Right. Um, and you're going to kind of be taking that on through, you know, more of a therapy. So, you know, part of an occupational hazard for me is, um, I wear sometimes my therapeutic lenses and just the world that I see. And then when I interact with scripture, it's so cool when I find ways that um, scripture uh, line up with what research tells us about ourselves and our bodies and what we know to be true. And so I love making those connections. So, um, but at the same time, um, I also just have found encouragement when looking at some of these passages and finding a biblical perspective on sleeplessness and how how and why it exists and what to do with it. So the first passage is out of 1 Kings 19, and it is about uh, the prophet Elijah. And at this point in his ministry, he's been a part of so many miracles, you know, and he's got a great reputation. He follows the Lord. And then... Um, you know, of course, he he encounters opposition, and his life is threatened. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He flees, and so um, he kind of flees out of disobedience. It's one of the first times that he goes somewhere that God didn't specifically command him to go, mm-hmm. and so he flees away from um, the threats. And he it says that he falls asleep under a broom tree, which I'm not sure if that is significant, but that's what we know, and that he's woken up by an angel of the Lord on two occasions and um, all in the same night. And he is told arise, eat and drink. Um, and then he falls asleep. And then again, rise, eat and drink because the journey is going to be so great for you. And then from there, he goes into a 40 day journey into the wilderness. Um, and so I just think it's interesting, you know, when we are woken up, you know, if you've ever fallen asleep and then you wake up partway through the night, it's kind of like, oh, like it's almost like you got a little nap or something yeah. and you're like up then for a couple hours. Right. Um, and so often what I think is like, man, I'm so tired. I need to fall back asleep because I have so much what to do the next day. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or do you play this game where you're like, all right, if I fall asleep now, I can get three hours of sleep. Oh, the math game. Yeah. Yeah. Do you play this game? Yeah. All the time. (laughs) It's like, okay, then I could get two hours of sleep. I can, I can do my day on two hours, two hours more of sleep. Right. You know, we play like these mind games on ourselves and it's, it ends up not helping, at least for me. It just ends up not helping. So, because there's pressure. It is. There's pressure. There's pressure added. If I go to sleep in the next five minutes, you know, 
Right. Yeah. So it's just th- some of those things. And so I find it interesting that um, he is being called to hydrate and to eat. Um, mm. And it's like God made him a little snack. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> you know? And what we do know about research is that protein and staying hydrated for our bodies actually does help us sleep better. Mm. And so, um, you know, while he is being prepared physically for the next part of his journey, um, you know, there are times when something that I do is I just get out of bed. I have not something, you know, too large, but just a cheese stick or yogurt, a glass of milk, stay hydrated, get some water. Um, and you know, especially if you think about what you did in your day, were you at the beach? Did you sweat a lot? Did you have a lot of, um, sodium in your diet that day? You know, little things like that seem so insignificant, but, um, they actually do help you rest better. Um, and so, there's more going on with Elijah in this particular passage than just eat and drink better. But I do find that, um, at least interesting that God was equipping him for the next part of his journey, um, with specifically interventions that, uh, affect your hydration and your, and your physical body. So, Oh, that's really good. Well, to prepare for the the podcast, I was reading through some of these scriptures again. And one of the translations that I read this scripture, okay. it said that he was provided by God a loaf of bread okay. and water. Mm. And I was like, you know, if I was sleepless and the Lord woke me up with a nice loaf of bread, <laughs> like I wouldn't be mad, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> could, like, be, that's, could it be warm with butter? Carbs, no. <laughs> carbs are the best, you know? That's right. But that's so good. Um, I think too, all kidding aside, yeah. you know, it's... I think most people, at least me, I can't put a blanket statement. I look through the lens of scripture and as a creative, mm. I always look through it as a, like a, a beautiful poetic symbolism, mm. you know, where mm. I'm like, oh, he gave him bread and water. Mm. So that must be to like sit and listen to the Lord and yeah. be filled by the Lord. And yeah. it absolutely could it be. Yeah. But I love the perspective mm. that you're saying because there's an actual real physical element yeah. Yeah. to preparing your body for right. rest and sleeplessness. Right. And the Lord could be asking for both of those things, yeah. you yeah. know? So, right. Well, and when God, good. you know, Jesus encounters us or encounters um, his disciples in the New Testament, he met both the physical and the spiritual needs. Mm. And a lot of times, and he talks about, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. He is the physical metaphor for um, spiritually what we need. So it's not like those are mutually exclusive that we only need Jesus. Like we've been designed to, yes, absolutely need Jesus. And he is the bread of life, but um, it's okay that we you know, give our physical bodies, um, the same attention that we do need as well as spiritually. So I think it's interesting. You're right. It's a, it's, it's a good perspective to have. And this is, um, I think an interesting passage as we'll find out because Mm. when he goes, he eventually does encounter God. And this is that famous passage of scripture where, um, Elijah's on a mountain and then there's wind that comes and there's an earthquake that comes and there's fire and that comes and God's not in God's voice isn't in those. He's in a still soft whisper. Right. Mm. And so the stillness and the calmness of, um, a whisper and it, and it's kind of alludes to the fact that God comes sometimes in the quiet moments and do we make space for those quiet moments? Right. Not often, not often enough. Yeah. I would say they come, but I think it's, it's a hard thing. I think Mm. through the kind of life that most people live, especially in our, in our, in America, you know, we're, 
we thrive on busyness and yes. full schedules, right. you know? Right. So and we need our point. sleep because we feel like we have so much to do the next day. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, sleeping and resting to then get silenced almost seems countercultural to us. You know, mm. it's like, well, the whole point of sleep is to go and do more, you know? So, um, but I find it interesting <laughs> that we, that they set apart that God whispers and just to, even though it's so simple and this isn't necessarily brand new information, but how often do we practice that is just in the quiet, still moments. So that's what we learned from Elijah. Let me um, move over to Samuel in first Samuel, um, three, uh, sometimes where we learned with Elijah that sleeplessness can prepare you for the journey ahead and prepare you for hearing the voice of God in the stillness. Sometimes through Samuel, we can learn that sleeplessness prepares you to hear directions from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of us are like, if I just knew the will of God, like what, that would be so easy. Like, what should I do with which college I should go to a or B or, you know, which job should I take a or B? And sometimes we just want to know like what I should do. And so, um, you know, sometimes sleeplessness can help us hear directions from the Lord. Right. Mm. It would be so, it'd just be so much nicer if it was. Uh, like not in sleeplessness, but sometimes that's how he gets our attention. So um, in this particular passage, um, Samuel is a child at this point and he is um, with Eli. This is not Elijah from Kings. This is a a different Eli. Um, And Eli's kind of mentoring him in the temple. And so they are literally sleeping in the temple near the Ark of the Covenant, or they're sleeping in the tabernacle at this point, sorry. Um, The temple's not been built yet, but they're sleeping in the tabernacle near the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the actual presence of God. And it says um, the the lamp had not yet gone out, which is fancy for, you know, it's it's not yet dawn, but Mm -mm. it's on its way, you know, but the lamp has not yet gone out. So Samuel hears his name being called three times, and he assumes it's Eli, which you know, isn't necessarily a wrong or bad assumption. You know, if you heard your name, you might go to the people that, you know, are right. hopefully in the house with you. <laughs> That'd be kind of scary yeah. um, if it wasn't. So, um, but we often assume that maybe our sleeplessness is due to the people or persons or events in our lives that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. I think that's kind of our go-to. Um, it's like, oh, I was an unfinished conversation or this unfinished project at work, right? We kind of go... To, do you ever have that? Some of those like oh, go-to like thoughts of why? Yeah, I would say that's actually the majority of um, times that I've experienced sleeplessness is I always attribute it to something in my life that day or yeah. a fear or an anxiety that maybe yeah. popped up during the day yep. that's undealt with. Sure. You know? Yeah. And that's partly true too. You know, our brains are wired to get resolution. And so it's like a filing cabinet. If you've got a bunch of different files open from your day and you never got to close them and file them back in your file cabinet, there is, our brains are wired to need that resolution. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's a fair statement. Um, but then sometimes, you know, if it's been like several nights in a row or, you know, and it's like, man, I've, or I've done all my little checklists, um, you know, Eli, after the third time in one night, he kind of tells Samuel, you know, you might be hearing from God, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and it's kind of like light bulb. Oh yeah. You know, like that, 
That could be the Lord. That could be the Lord. You <laughs> that know, guy. Yeah. it just kind of feels annoying because <laughs> yeah. it's like, I just want to sleep. But wow. Like, what if that's just the Lord speaking to you? You know, how different would our perspective be and our sense of expectation would be if we genuinely were like, whoa, the Lord is beckoning me to yeah. just have intimacy with him right yeah. now. I cannot wait to go hear what he has to say. But it, it may, I think it may be hard for people to think that. Yeah. Because there's, there's a real doubt within your walk of faith that God is actually speaking to mm. you specifically. So, so good. You know? And so it's like, he, I, I don't, I don't blame him, you know, yeah. cause he sure. wakes up and he's like, okay, what just woke me up? Mm-hmm. And the second time what's waking me up, yeah. you know? And he didn't come to the realization that it was God. Mm. He had to have somebody else say that could be true. I think that's such a good you point, know? Mandy. Like, yeah. you know, I think that's why sometimes, you know, we talk about it sometimes because it's helpful to get a different perspective and someone to say, yeah, Hey, maybe God's doing this in your life. And you know, you've done that for me, you know, and I do that for you. And it's, it's helpful to have that objective perspective, um, to be able to say, you know, to help you connect the dots, mm-hmm. you know? And so Samuel has that in his life. And, um, and he says, he says, tell next time you hear this voice, say, speak Lord for your servant hears. Mm. And so just try training ourselves when we get woken up in the middle of the night, um, you know, do some of the things that our bodies do need, you know, and, um, getting, you know, the protein or the the rest or the water, but then also saying, Lord, equally as much, what do you want to say to me? You know, and Mm -hmm. if we said that we might encounter what Samuel encountered, which was, he said a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He had a lot to say, including a huge call on his life. Right. Yeah. Oh Yeah. And I love that point that it could be the Lord waking us up because he wants to speak to mm-hmm. us because it takes away the, I think the, the fear mm. from sleeplessness. Mm. Yes. Cause if you're experiencing sleeplessness as a pattern in your life or in a season of your life, yeah. you almost fear you can fear going to bed yeah. because you know that that's coming for right. you. And to be able to, exactly what you're saying, to be able to view that from the perspective of it's not something I need to fear in my life, Mm. but if the Lord does wake me up, then that's a sweet moment that he'd like to speak into my life. Right. So it almost, it feels weird because it feels like an honor, (laughs) but you're physically tired and... You know, it's a mix, but that's a helpful perspective it, for us to also hold. Well, I think you're right where it disarms the the fear about it. Because you, yeah. you can, as you anticipate going to sleep, you can almost feel an anxiety yeah. of, is it going to happen again? You know, and um, as you give into those moments, say, okay, I'm just, you know, going to hear from the Lord and let it be what it is. Um, I would challenge you to do that and see how much better approaching sleep becomes, Mm. um, because it becomes such a sweet time rather than such a fearful, anxious time. So, um, I find something interesting with this particular passage, especially in contrast with, um, the Elijah one is Samuel was not acting out of disobedience. In fact, he was, you know, very much in obedience. And so I think it's important to note here that, you know, it's not like if you're in disobedience, then this is a consequence because God chose to intervene in Samuel's life. And there's no, um, at least, you know, obviously he was a sinner because he was human, but there's no, um, sin that we know of that had led to this particular encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, he, you could argue that he was sleeping in one of the most potentially peaceful places to sleep 
right next to the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, yeah. And so when we think about what is our setting, you know, do we have our Bible? Like I've heard you say, well, I put my Bible on my nightstand, like kind of like, <laughs> boom, like this is what's going yeah. to govern this space right now for mm-hmm. my life. Or people put on worship music and um, or we, there's calming apps, you know, there's faith-based calming apps with scripture, there's breathing techniques. I mean, there's numerous things that you can do. And again, those not are, they're not inherently wrong or bad at all. I think that the, our environment, um, even things like temperature and how much light we're getting, um, sound, you know, it, even they argue that calming sounds are anywhere between 40 to 60 beats per minute, whereas alerting sounds are going to be more of 100 to 120 beats per minute. So we would create an environment for ourselves that is going to give us almost the um, sleep diet that we need to calm down and relax. And then there's calming rituals like baths and books and then prayers, um, even like you know, I do this wordscapes before I go to bed, totally oh, mindless, yes. you know, Yes, girl. but it's, um, gets my mind focused on something completely irrelevant for my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And I, you. I've also heard too, um, like just shutting off anything that gives off blue light. Yeah. Um, so like anything, you know, technology wise, right. iPads, TVs, phones, right. Um, those have been beneficial in my life, yep. you know, so that's a good way to start preparing right. your body for rest. Right. And so, so you can control those things in your environment. Yeah. So yeah, you've got your body, you've got your environment, you've got all those different things um, that set us up to succeed. But, and then if it doesn't work, taking a cue from Samuel and saying, <clears throat> it may actually be the best way for you to encounter the Lord, because mm. that's how um, the Lord interacted with Samuel. And he could have been probably in the most therapeutically wonderful, glorious um, place, sleeping closest to the presence of God as you could in that day. Um, And yet the Lord woke him up. And um, it's funny because it ends with, um, you know, Samuel lays down and um, he lay until morning. And you kind of get this impression that, yeah, he didn't get any more sleep that night. <laughs> you know, like he heard from the Lord. And if you go back and read it, it was, it was not the most warm, fuzzy message. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which sometimes there are things that are hard to hear when we are confronted with truth. They're hard to hear. Uh, fortunately, this wasn't for him that, that was convicting of his personal life, but he was the messenger and that's not so much fun either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, he didn't sleep a wink that night. And again, that doesn't attribute it to his godlessness. Yeah. Um, but God, you know, he was godly in that and he took God's word, um, at face value and he probably didn't sleep the rest of the night. And so when we are woken up and we encounter the Lord and maybe, you know what, I've had nights like this, I'm up at two or three in the morning and I'm up for the rest of the day. Yeah. You're like, and okay, ready you're to like, start. Awesome. Where's my coffee? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it, it's 5 a.m. Is it too late to start, early to start coffee? Um, but you could argue, and, you know, I'd be curious to ask Samuel this one day in heaven, you know, you forfeited the rest of that night's sleep, but what you gained mm. in that conversation with the Lord yeah. could have been greater than what three hours of sleep could give you. Oh, absolutely. Right? And then sometimes we're looking for physical rest because we think that's going to be the thing that gives us soul rest. Yes. Oh, and so true. that disarms that thought yeah. because God can give us, I, I was thinking of that because I, I was reflecting on a moment very recently that I was experiencing okay. waking up at three in the morning yeah. and being like, okay, what's up God? You know, <laughs> and I did 
everything possible that you could do besides meet with God. Like mm-hmm. I was like, turn on the episode. Let's wa- watch through my favorite show. Sure. Yeah. I was like reading a book. I was on Instagram, you know, like I did yeah. everything but, and then I was like, this is not working. Mm. And I was like, maybe I need to mm. meet with the person that helps me fall asleep. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so I cracked open, you know, scripture and I was reading through certain things and asking hard questions to God, uh, which I know that we're going to be getting into. Um, mm. But he revealed something to me in a one sentence, really one sentence that I needed to hear in order for me to go back to sleep. Wow. Because I was, I was, it was turmoil within me and I was trying to numb it with everything else, you know? And so, and, and I, I don't think I fell asleep after that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think it was kind of like an in and out sleep, but I woke up the next morning feeling restful because I, I got from my father what I needed Mm. to get and that helped to sustain me through the next day, you know? So that's, that's a really, really good point. I feel like the last passage um, in Genesis kind of illustrates that too, um, with Jacob. And I love the story of Jacob. He's, he's man, he's got a a lot in his story. It's so good, but, um, it's a good one. You know, one of the key passages that in his life, episodes, his life is when he just wrestles with God. He just says, sometimes sleeplessness is just an all out wrestle with the Lord, Mm -hmm. kind of what we're saying. And um, with Jacob, you know, he is wrestling for really blessing, acceptance, approval, blessing, um, you know, that sense of I'm okay, I belong. And given the history of his story, you know, he cheated, he stole, he idolized all of his relationships to gain that approval. Mm. You know, he cheated his brother Esau out of his birthright. Uh, he stole the blessing from his father. That was rightfully, or, um, his father, Isaac, that was rightfully the firstborns. And then he idolized his, um, his wife, Rachel, um, and then that ended up being kind of a disastrous thing. He ends up having multiple wives and, um, in each relationship, you can kind of see him trying to chase after trying to grasp this sense of approval, this sense of blessing, even, um, in his romantic relationship with Rachel, idolizing, um, this infatuation love to kind of act of act as a transcendent feeling that, um, I'm okay, that I'm approved, that I've got it together. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's just such an interesting parallel of how often that we do that, you know, do we wrestle with our siblings in, in childhood, um, or our peers for approval? Then we wrestle with our parents, you know, for that approval, um, much like Jacob did with Isaac. And then eventually if that's not resolved, we wrestle it with our spouses and then Jacob with his kids. I mean, he had the 12 sons, but you could argue that they were a wreck. That family went through some stuff, right? (laughs) And God redeems it, of course, but, um, you see the consequences of Jacob and all of his earthly relationships seeking and fighting and wrestling for that approval and that blessing and that acceptance in all of these earthly relationships until one night before he's about to encounter Esau, he is fearful He's because the last time he encountered Esau was about 20 years ago and there was, you know, a, um, a claim on his life. <laughs> he was not happy. And, um, Jacob kind of had it coming, you know, there's not 
really good things that Jacob had done. So um, Jacob on the other side of this kind of knew what he was walking back into. And so there was a valid, I'm, he's fearful for his physical safety. And um, it says that he wrestles with God all night until the breaking of the day, which again is another way of saying dawn had not yet come. Um, so mm. it was, and I feel like that similar to, um, Samuel, but that detail kind of points to God's mercy because if the, he, at this point, Jacob realized he was wrestling with God in the flesh. And if he had seen God face to face in the light of day, what do we know what the old T Testament teaches us about that? is that he would surely yeah, die. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, that, oh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. And so it's an act that. of mercy that the Lord wrestles with him in the night and shades him from getting that glimpse that could potentially kill him. And I think that that's just why the Lord sometimes beckons us in the middle of our night. He's like, I'm not going to overwhelm you. I'm not going to put like that one thing that he's taught you, that one sentence that you needed to know at that moment. He's like, I'm not going to, wrestle you in the daytime when you have to get all this stuff done for your job and you have to get this stuff done with your family and, and all of these responsibilities. It's too much on you, child. I know what you need and this is too much. So, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to beckon you in those quiet moments when it can just be about you and me. There's so many times when I think to myself, Lord, could we just not do this at 3 a.m. and maybe, maybe 6 or 7 a.m. Yeah. or, you know, like a, a little bit more of a what feels to be more of a godly hour, you know? And then I think about, well, here's why you can't do it at this hour or this hour or this hour. And it's, yeah, almost every single hour is spoken for, um, the demands of, you know, all that we're doing now, especially with kids being home and limited activities and getting fewer and fewer breaks. Um, and then by the end of the day, who's not toast. So, um, the Lord's just giving me just as an act of mercy, like, I'm not going to put on your plate what you already have on a full day, full schedule in the morning. And so, yes, I am going to wake you up, but I'm going to be your strength and your sustenance and your spiritual food mm -hmm. to help you get through the day. Um, but there's going to be some, some times where he's called me to have those quiet moments in the middle of the night and seeing it as an act of mercy. But also with Jacob, and this has been an interesting shift too, that I don't know otherwise I would have seen it this way, is he says in verse 26... Um, this is after um, his, his hip has been uh, dislocated. You know, God has lightly touched this, uh, mm -hmm. the socket of his hip and has dislocated it. And afterwards, um, he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. So Jacob you know, almost demands this of God. And, you know, it, it's, I don't b believe that he's saying it from an entitlement standpoint. I think he understands this mm. concept of, I have wrestled with my brother. I have wrestled with my father. I have wrestled with my spouse. I've even wrestled with my children. And I have not gotten from those earthly relationships what truly only you can provide for me. Wow. And so I will not let you go until you bless me. And it's like at that moment, God's like, done. Boom. That's what I've been waiting for. There we are, Jacob. That's what I've been calling you to. You've been wrestling with all 
all of these people in your life, trying to get them to do what you need them to do so that you feel satisfied, so that wow, you feel accepted. Good. But do that with me, Jacob. I'm the one that can handle that. I'm the one that can handle all of your wrestlings and all of that you're needing to be satisfied. You keep going to these earthly relationships and they're going to disappoint, right? Mm, they do. Mm-hmm. That people disappoint us. Even the most godly parents or mentors or people in our lives, um, they fall short because those earthly relationships are not meant to do what only God is meant to do. And so I believe that that is a a point of, you know, a turning point for Jacob. And it it does become because um, God ends up changing his name from Jacob to Israel. Mm -hmm. And um, he inherits the promise that was given to his father and his grandfather. There's a couple practical things that I take out of this passage. Um, Hang with me because it's going to take a minute to get there. But if you see it from this perspective, I do feel like it's really insightful. So um, first, what we know is when our physical safety um, or even our felt safety needs are threatened, we feel fearful. Mm-hmm. And so the physical safety, that's obvious, you know, if like with Jacob, he genuinely was scared for his life and his family, mm-hmm. um, encountering his brother um, and, you know, we can have any situations like that 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 would induce that response. Um, but then the felt safety actually can re- produce the same response. And felt safety, how that's different is, you know, your physical life may not be threatened, but um, the common narratives can often threaten us. For example, if you grew up in a home where mistakes were not allowed, right? And as an adult, we maybe cope with that by just being as spot on as perfect as we can and so what we're human we make mistakes and so if we make a mistake either as a parent or a spouse or um an employee a lot of times this sense of threatened can come upon us and we feel unsafe we feel like wow someone's pointing out a mistake of mine and that's too hard for me to confront so i'm gonna you know do our common defense mechanisms keep that at bay because it's just too hard to look at. It's just too unsafe emotionally. Um, And so that sense of felt safety, you know, there's a lot of things that can trigger that for people, especially if you have bad experiences, you know, things like racism and discrimination that can lead to a sense of physical safety, but it can also just lead to a sense of um, felt need safety. Like I just Mm -hmm. don't feel safe in this place or in this moment. So both what we know is both can yield the same response of fear. Um, and we, I think because of the wrestling that Jacob experiences encounters with the Lord, I believe both are at play with him. Mm. I believe the physical safety is at play um, because of what we know with his brother, but then also what we see with him wrestling with the Lord emotionally. His felt safety need of, am I okay? Am I good enough? Am I accepted? I think that is also equally being at play here. So... What we know um, with our just bodies and research is when we are threatened, what do we do? Or if we actually, sorry, if we encounter an injury, what do we do? We um, apply pressure. If we want the bleeding to stop, right? Because we want the blood clots to take over. Um, and even the way that God designed our bodies, endorphins take over and actually act as a shield on our nerve endings. And so we don't even feel the full weight of pain until almost hours later. Oh, wow. Because when an injury happens, 
if you, if like, say for example, you broke your leg and you were by yourself or you, you know, had a cell phone, but that was it. And you needed to call 911 or call someone who knew what you were doing. Your body would be able to kick into high gear. Um, your endorphins would cover your nerve endings and to kind of protect you. It it feels like shock, which it kind of is, but it would give you a window knowing that help is on its way. And then it's like, as soon as that help comes, it's like your body can just be like, okay, someone else can now take care of me. But God designed us to be able to take care of ourselves when we've been physically hurt. Another thing that we do is we apply pressure to, um, create a blood clot because that's important too. We got to stop the bleeding, but also deep pressure can actually override pain. So for example, we do this in different stages of our life. So when a baby is born, what do we do? We swaddle them. And we do that because that gives them the sense of physical as well as felt, felt need safety that babies need to help regulate and to a new environment. This is the brand new environment for them. They need to know that they're safe. And so swaddle is that therapeutic pressure that we're applying to them that helps them meet the physical and felt safety needs as well as when we have kids and they have, you know, minor boo-boos. I mean, I, I just talked about a broken leg, but the same thing applies with minor boo-boos. You know, you get a bee sting, you step on a thorn. What do you do with your kids? You go, oh, and you take out the, you know, the the thorn and then you, you rub their skin and you make sure it's okay. Sometimes you apply a Band-Aid if that's necessary. But um, our experiences have taught us, man, if we like rub that spot, you know, really good and we apply that pressure, that actually can override the pain that they're feeling mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so those little injuries help alleviate the pain until eventually their body regulates again, you know, in a bee sting or a thorn, that pain will subside. Right. Yeah. But in the meantime, especially as a parent, you apply that pressure because a pressure can override pain. Um, and then, you know, the same principle applies to kids, even when they're not in an injury standpoint, you know, an injury place, you know, with kids and growing bodies, they need pressure like the baby did with a swaddling growing kids need pressure to regulate their bodies to um, help with their brain development to create new pathways and so a lot of our socially and culturally appropriate ways especially for boys to get that therapeutic pressure is through what wrestling Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you literally yeah literally if you have a house with boys you know exactly what I'm talking about they just wrestle you don't you don't even have to like come up with a narrative. It's just like all <laughs> not, on. No context for it. There's just no context for it. You know, <laughs> and not to say that girls don't have this too, yeah. but typically boys are wanting that, that pressure need met through physical contact. Wow. And so, um, I know there's one parent mother that had two boys and, you know, they were like three or five and they started the whole wrestling thing. And she asked her husband, like, when does this stop? And he's like, oh, you know, probably about, you know, when they get married. (laughs) And it's not socially acceptable anymore. Or like the wife's like, what are you doing? We're not. (laughs) Right. Like, or like just really like they literally as brothers are going to wrestle until they get married is pretty much. Yep. Or, you know, they, it evolves and it evolves into a sport or it evolves into, you know, the different ways that that gets met, you know, as uh, you grow as an adult, you know, running, getting that pressure, um, as an athlete on your feet, that is pressure. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're actually helping your body regulate and growing bodies, you know, with our, our kids and our teens need a lot of that pressure and a lot of that input for their bodies to organize themselves mm-hmm. and a nervous system to organize themselves. So we start to channel that need in appropriate ways because, you know, kids are kids, boys are boys, you know, girls, like my daughter, her way of getting this need met is she will wear long sleeves and long pants and we live in South Florida. Like, I'm like, seriously, girl, like dress appropriate for the weather, but it's, that's her way of, she wants to wear long sleeve things. And so in the house she does, cause that's her only chance when she's out, she doesn't get that. Her clothes fit so loose because we live in Florida and it's hot. And so she's getting that pressure applied to her. Now she loves the tickling too. Don't get me wrong. She can totally hang with that. Um, but it's just interesting how with genders, with different ages, how there's different ways that people get that need met. And as adults, we need it too. You know, we sleep with, with our blankets cuddled first thing in the morning. I kind of just want to sit and just like with a blanket wrapped around me and read and yeah. And it feels into the day. Right. It's hard to get up right away, change right away. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, you just feeling like, ah, I need a little bit more before I start my day. Mm -hmm. Ideally. That's what that is in our bodies that are needing that. So, um, if you have a kid whose, um, instinct is to fight, when they are threatened, you know, that fight, flight, or freeze, um, and if their instinct is to fight, you're, those are the kids that need that um, pressure more. So that instinct to punch is where that comes from. It's that needing to regulate yourself through pressure. And if, you've, if your physical safety has been harmed, what is the instinct is to punch to protect yourself, right? Mm-hmm. But even if your felt safety needs have been harmed or threatened, if you've been um, called a name, if you've been disrespected, if you've been discriminated against, even though your physical body has not been harmed in any way, um, if you are a fighter, that instinct and that need to punch comes from that desire for deep pressure because that calms you. It regulates your body. Mm. So what does this have to do with Jacob? What does this have to do with sleep? I'm glad you asked because I realized that was a very long setup. Oh my gosh. But so I feel like I'm in class. Like if I was not on this podcast, I would definitely have a notebook and like writing this down. I had no idea about any of those things. Right. And it helps you understand. Yeah. It helps you look at the world differently and helps you understand so people differently. Yeah. Why some people are fighters and why some people are, are fleers. You know, those who are fighters are going to have a deep need for that level of regulation. Yeah. And different responses, different responses to different experiences. Absolutely. Wow. And so they good. need that input in, in different ways, in socially appropriate ways. And yeah. so we, we need to curb that and find that. But that's okay. That doesn't make them wrong or inherently bad. It's just their bodies need different things. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when you are struggling with sleep and if you are someone that that's what you need. You need a lot of that input. Um, a weighted blanket has been therapeutically indicated to help you calm down. And so weighted blankets can be up to 15 pounds. I know for some people like me, that would feel a little bit like claustrophobic. I may not personally benefit from that, but others might, Mm -hmm. especially for those people who kind of are up here, like their base level is a little bit, um, more of a higher level of maybe stress you know, than others, then they might need more of that weighted blanket, um, to sleep with. They could, you could even, 
if you're watching a movie, watch it with your weighted blanket because the impact of pressure can last up to three to four hours. So if you're if you're you know cuddling with a blanket before you even go to bed, or if you do sleep with it, either's fine. The impacts of it will last um, beyond the length of time that you're actually having it on you. So you may not need a weighted blanket for the entire night. You know, oh, you may need it wow, for the first few hours so to slip yeah. into it um, or halfway through, you know, toss it off. Um, but that has been um, helpful for people who need that pressure, who need that to help calm them. There's also another uh, fabric called Lycra. I'm not as familiar with this, but it's kind of cool. I've seen it, especially with kids. You can create almost like a hammock and they can swing in it and it's, it, it envelopes them like a hug. And so they read in it. A lot of kids, they'll sway, sway back and forth in it. So they're actually getting two interventions. They're getting the swaying, which like a baby, an infant, that's very therapeutic. Our bodies regulate when we get that swaying feel. Then we're also getting the um, protection, the, the pressure of feeling like we're being hugged, um, especially with kids that maybe want to be distant from someone when they're feeling threatened, that's still a way that they can get that need met, but not necessarily be near a person, or if they don't like being hugged, um, that's a way they can get that. So um, <laughs> there's another way you can wear Lycra. It's like a, almost like a body sock, and you put it on, and it, they look <laughs> so good. darn cute. They look like a little caterpillar. Um, yeah. And again, for adults, they too? have them for adults too. All right, girl. There was Amazoning. Part of up. me wanted to bring this on, but it would only be for our YouTube subscribers and just. Put Put one on you because it's so darn cute. Um, but I didn't. Put I'm one on very, me? Yes. Oh, that, <laughs> to, to I like. welcome that. Absolutely. <laughs> Next podcast. Next podcast, we'll do that. Um, and so you can look into Lycra too. Um, last thing is massage. Massage. If you were to get a full body massage, and of course they have all different types of pressure. They ask you, do you want deep tissue? Do you want you know Swedish massage? And everyone, again, has different preferences. And yeah. that's given the biologic, biological makeup of your body. Um, the, but if you were to, to watch your brain while you're getting a massage, your limbic system would light up. And the limbic system is the part of your body that houses your emotions. And so that is, again, something that's just going to disarm and calm you and help you get into a good night's sleep. So, um, so when wow. Jacob wrestles and physically and emotionally or spiritually, there's something also therapeutic about physically wrestling and getting that as well as um spiritually wrestling with the lord so there you go my god rebecca you just blew my mind i'm done i'm like i need to drop this mic just to feel <laughs> like i'm out that's so good i you know i have a weighted blanket and i always just thought that the reason why it makes me more calm was because it just feels like somebody's hugging me yep that's exactly right <laughs> but now you're, you're giving right. you know reason for why yeah. that feels good for yeah. somebody absolutely you know so yep it's the, really it's the sensory diet. Everyone needs something different. So, yeah, um, yeah for sure. You're, you're absolutely right so on that. Good. So good. Well, before we wrap up this topic, is there, um, I, I mean, I feel like I can listen to you all day. I'm just like, tell me more things. <laughs> um, is there anything else, like just some last minute, um, you know, tips or pointers yeah. or things that you want people to know about uh, sleeplessness? Yeah. I think um, a lot of the therapeutic interventions that we talked about are, are good to pay attention to, um, paying attention to your body, being mindful of that. Um, 
but also just recognizing sleeplessness can be an act of mercy from the Lord. And mm-hmm. in those quiet, still moments, he's coming to you because um, he doesn't want to overwhelm you. If we were to see God's face face to face, we would truly die. And so if the Lord doesn't want to overwhelm you in those daytime hours and he's quietly beckoning you in the stillness, it's um, truly his His loving kindness that's leading us to repentance and, mm-hmm. and beckoning us. And it's an act of mercy to see it that way. And then lastly, you know, I also don't want to negate the fact that sometimes our sleeplessness is just a straight up, um, just confrontation on where we're doing with control. And are we truly genuinely able to leave it in the Lord's hands and just surrender? And sleep is one of the, I think just best illustrations for an act of surrender because we do it every day. Our bodies need it. Yeah. We are in the most vulnerable position. Um, so we are, true. we're kind of lending our brains and our bodies into this cocoon of sleep that even researchers don't fully know all that happens in sleep. It's so mysterious and we know some things and it's very important for our bodies and our brains and we need it, but it's, it's like every time we do that, it's a physical act of what spiritually we need to do, which is rest and leave it in the hands of the Lord. And there's a scripture, Psalm 127 says this, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it and who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that, that you rise up early, go to, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved sleep. And so just kind of that scripture cements, look, if you can't sleep, the Lord wants to give you sleep, Mm -hmm. but if you can't sleep, it might be because we are not wanting to relinquish control. We think that all of our waking hours, all of our credentials, all of our degrees, our positions are what is going to take to resolve whatever it is that needs to be resolved. When actuality, if we just rest it and leave it in the Lord's hands, he will work while we're sleeping and he promises to work for the good. Mm -hmm. It's just, we are not believing in that. And so we're robbing ourselves of the, not only physical rest, but truly the spiritual rest that we need. So um, just some encouragements, some things that I've certainly walked away from, like I've needed this for my soul. So I know I'm not alone. (laughs) No, my gosh, not at all. Even in this room, you're not alone, girl. (laughs) And so many people on the podcast probably like, oh my gosh, that was so good. Just in all like me. Um, but just wanted to say thank you so much for Mm -hmm. coming on today and speaking into this. And, um, you encouraged me, I think tonight I'm going to have my weighted blanket on me There you go. and then listen to some calming apps, you know, (laughs) turning off all my stuff. So, um, really, really good stuff. Hey, um, if you're watching or listening, just wanted to say thank you for spending your time with us, um, here at the city rev live podcast. And we are so excited to see you soon. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on city rev life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org slash podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.